0: This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant.
1: By the Got
0: the... Mariners getting ready to host the Toronto Blue Jays in a weekend series. We've got the Seahawks traveling to Las Vegas where they'll take on the Raiders in the first of their three preseason games. Great time to bring in Michael Bumpus. He joins us for Blue 42.
2: Here we go. This is Blue
0: 42. We're going to
2: go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, G, U, corner, halfback, flat, on
0: two, ready, right.
3: Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue
0: 42.
1: Bump since becoming a father, have you become stronger?
2: Yes, off top, you there's two things you become stronger, right? When you have kids and then when you hit thirty, you're like, Alright, I got that grown men's strength now. For some reason my grip strength is just awesome. I can just I can lift a car if I needed to if my kids were in harm's way. Definitely have dad strength. I like it. Marco was
0: talking about that. He said he'd been waiting for the dad strength to kick in. It's it's a real thing. Um, it's something I'll never experience because I'm not not having kids. But I know that to to the very end, I recognize that my father was not someone to ever be trifled with, and that yeah, you you challenge your old man at your own your own risk because even if you think all things are equal, they're not going to be because dad strength's going to kick in.
2: They got that mental too. That, that mental. Oh power. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Make you feel like a five-year-old, just like that. (laughs) Maybe I should have kids so I can have better gains. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Question one, Michael (laughs) Pompas. What do you like most about the pieces in the Seahawks secondary? Because that's probably what we're going to be focusing on, I would imagine, the most Saturday night in Vegas. Because there are a lot of guys that I think have a legitimate chance to both start and play this year.
2: Man, it's, it's a variety pack. That's what I like about it. You have your your tall, longer corners. You have Trey Flowers. You have Witherspoon. Uh, you have your veterans and Trey and Witherspoon who have been there. Then you have your smaller, compact dudes and Trey Brown and DJ Reed. And uh, they bring different energy as well. You know, I saw Trey Brown make a play on DK the other day, and he's flexing on him bringing all the confidence in the world. Then you see Trey Flowers make a play. He humbly walks away from the situation. It's like when you look at that group, you're not just seeing the one Maxwell, the 6'2 Sherman, uh, the same type of mentality and approach to the game in practice. You have three or four different type of variety of guys out there, and I like to see it because they all bring something different to the table, which is going to make it interesting when it comes to evaluating these guys like what exactly are the seahawks looking for who, who do they need in this situation who's going to rise to the top and i think like most of us that's going to be a position that we watch on saturday tough right the cornerback position and probably the receiver position to see who's going to be that fourth maybe fifth guy practice squad guy but yeah that that cornerback room is interesting different types of corners it's not your traditional room and everyone has their own personality and that is light Seeing them put that on display during practice Now we get to see it on Saturday
0: It's possible we're going to see a starting Tandem of DJ Reed And Trey Brown Where you're going to see two guys that are smaller, more compact It's also possible you could see the combination Especially with DJ Reed being a little banged up That it's going to be Trey Flowers And then on the other side of Keller Witherspoon Which would look very similar to what we've seen Who do you think Just look in your crystal ball, take a a stab at it Who do you think is going to be the starters
2: week one of the regular season I think it's going to be DJ and Witherspoon but I, I also think that you can't sleep on Trey. I heard you guys talk about Trey before the break. He's making plays, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's not a guy who, who's fading into the darkness quietly. You know, he might not talk a lot, he might not be rah rah, but he's out there making plays. It's going to be tough for these guys to decide who they want.
1: Who, who's the best playmaker among these corners right now? I, I remember last year, one of the things I was excited about with the Seahawks bringing in Quinton Dunbar was that Dunbar seemed like he could be that guy. Where with Shaquille Griffin, it wasn't that he wasn't in the right place it was Griffin never was really able to quite complete the play get that interception now he was better at it last year than he had been in years past but among all those corners bump. based off of what you've been seeing out of training camp and obviously what you know about some of these guys too who do you think is the best playmaker the guy who's going to be creating the most takeaways
2: see when you say playmaker I think of two situations at the corner spot I think of the guy who's going to get his hands on the football and tip it up and have someone else clean it up Right now, I think that's Witherspoon. He's shown that during camp that he's long. He's got range. He can get his hands on the football. Now I think about when the football's in that player's hand, who's going to get busy, who's going to get loose, and I think of DJ Reed just because of his natural return ability. So there's, there's playmakers everywhere, but I think when it comes to just attacking the ball out the air, it's going to be Witherspoon. And now getting that money once you have the bag, it's going to be DJ. Question two.
0: What's the best thing you've seen out of Russell Wilson? R dub three. What's the best thing you've seen out of him in camp so far?
2: The best thing I've seen. He's made some great throws. Um, he has seen he seems like he has control over this offense. But the best thing I've seen out of this dude is the time that he takes in between sessions with certain players. I see him talk to Disley. I see him talk to Cody Thompson. I seen him talk to the seventh receiver all the way to the number one number two in DK and Lockett and I think that's extremely important everyone is learning this new offense and you need to be on the same page so when there's a mistake that's made Russell's Russell's bringing guys to the side now he's done this before this will quarterbacks do but I, I've seen him do it at just a higher rate this year and I've seen him do it to guys like he's probably not even gonna throw the football to during the regular season but I think he understands that you need everybody on the same page to make this thing flow because you never know when that undrafted free agent who's on the practice squad is going to get bumped up and you're going to have to rely on him to make a play for you. So I just see Russell Wilson really taking time to communicate with all of his playmakers and do it with purpose, not just a, a walk by real quick, you know, like, now we're going to walk through this route. I'm going to walk it with you. We're going to talk about your angles. This is what I'm thinking. And that's what quarterbacks need to do. Again, like Russell have done, has done that before, but I just think that he's doing it at a, at a higher frequency right now.
1: There's always some recency bias when it comes to what we've seen most recently versus what we maybe saw a, a year ago. But he's been getting the ball out really quickly, too. And, I, Bump, I'm, I'm curious as to where you think he's at now as far as what seems to be a training camp where there has been a real steady amount of time and energy put into him, I would say, staying in the pocket, but also just getting it out quick. I mean, there are some plays that they're running right down the seam where, I mean, it's out it's out so quick to the point where early on in camp, some of the receivers couldn't even turn around quickly enough. And I know that's, that's one of the underrated things about being a receiver is those quick passes, you got to get out there, but you also got to be able to turn around real quick.
2: Yeah, you mentioned getting the ball out quick, working the seams. And I think he's able to do that this year as a result of the route combinations. When you see guys opening up in the seams, that means there are routes underneath them that are widening the flat defender, creating that window. And then you also mentioned how some of these receivers weren't ready for that football. You know, the, the first few days, like, it's sneaking up on them. So now they're understanding, look, as soon as I pass this second level, as soon as I pass by this linebacker, if there's any type of space, get your head around quickly, Russ is going to hit you. Those are the type of things that are going to be huge on third downs, right? Anticipation throws. Instead of just those Hail mares I'm going to close my eyes, DK, make a play for me. We're going down the field. We're starting to see Russell... Have a true grasp of when things are gonna come open and how everything else is affecting the coverage. That just shows me that he's in the playbook. He's starting to feel it. When you can throw guys open, that's when you really understand what's going on. And we're seeing more and more of that as training camp goes along.
1: Question number three The first preseason game is usually the one where we're gonna see the starters and regular players the least what's the most important thing that they can take away from a game like this? I would imagine it's don't get hurt is there anything else?
2: man starters is and I mean really they, they could stay in Seattle if they wanted to They're, those guys aren't gonna see the field their job on Saturday is to be a great teammate you know when when you're in high school and you're blowing a team out 45 to zero you bring your starters over hi right, guys support you guys. Be a good teammate. That's what the starters are gonna do right now. They're gonna be extended coaches out there. Russ is gonna talk to Magoo and and Gino. You're gonna have Dwayne Brown talking to the offensive line. DK is gonna and Locky gonna talk to the receivers. As a veteran, you're just here to root your team on. This team, I mean, this game means absolutely nothing for you. Now these guys getting reps. This is for film. Even if you get cut from the Seattle Seahawks, you're still putting film out there for other teams to evaluate and hopefully bring you in if you do get cut. There, there are levels to this, man. Preseason means different things to different people. Lower the totem pole, man. This is real. You, you get ready. This is your Super Bowl. Let's go. These veterans, get your get your after the game fit ready. Let's see what you wear when you walk up to the stadium. They, they're thinking about other stuff. They're not. They're not worried about their performance tonight or Saturday. They just got to be good, good teammates and good coaches out there. Coming up with my list of, of guys
0: that will have a lot to gain. Ben Burke Curvin is pretty high on this list. He's going to play a ton. And yeah. He's probably going to play in multiple spots. And he's a guy that's kind of fighting for that spot on the roster. Like, I, I think he'll make it. Another, I hope to see some of Marquise Blair and Hugo Amadi and Nickel because they're competing, but I'm, I'm not sure. It might be a situation where they're in that starters group and, and they don't do that much. Alton Robinson, this is your chance to shine, right? Yeah. Where you go? Like, this it? is your chance because you're going to get a lot of runs. Like you're going to get a lot of opportunities, and with Alden Smith no longer on the team, like this is a chance. I don't expect to see Carlos Dunlap. I probably won't see Benson Mayo. Some of those vets are going to okay. Don't don't no waste your bullets in the, in the preseason. On Robinson's a young dude, he's going to have some opportunities out there. So those are the kind of guys I want to see who returns punts and kickoffs. Yeah, I always love that. Like that's an opportunity for somebody to make an impression.
1: Who would you give it to? Bump. You've done it in the past.
2: The return game. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Freddie's got to take a crack at it. Um, I think Trey Brown's got to take a crack at it. I think John Ursua. Come on, baby. He's got to get back there and return punts. I think he's on the bubble right now. Things are getting tight for him. But, yeah, it, you got to look at the receivers when it comes to the return game. I don't think there are any running backs other than Travis Homer, but I don't think he, he'll be out there who are big in the return game. But, yeah, look at the receivers. Freddie Swent. If Freddie can make one big play on special teams, I already think he's the number three. But if he can make one big play on special teams, man, take your pads off, take your helmet off, put a T-shirt on, you're good to go. Let me plan a bug because
0: I I, I want to see Ugo Amadi return punts. Yes, I I think yeah. that dude is special when he gets the ball in his hand. Um, and that doesn't always work with DBs. Remember how long we wanted to watch Earl Thomas return punts, and then he went <laughs> out there and it was just kind of a circus. <laughs> like it was, he was <laughs> catching balls he shouldn't have been catching. Like it was, it, it was not good. But. I, I want to see, and I because I think Ugo, I Ugo is pretty special when he gets the ball in his hands.
2: Yeah, I believe he has a couple returns to the house with Oregon, and then yep. he has a couple pick sixes as well. I mean, you look at, it, at his body, the way he's made up, he looks like a guy who would be great in the return game. Yeah, I like that. Ugo, get out there.
1: How many guys have typically returned kicks at the NFL level, at the college level? Because I would imagine that a lot of guys that end up getting taken have done it in some way, shape, or form. I mean, DJ Dallas is somebody who at Miami, he he has returned a punt for a touchdown, I know. And uh, I imagine if Dwayne Eskridge was healthy, too, that he would be factoring
2: into this, too. Well, you, you have to look at guys who have done it because you have to want to return kicks, too, man. Yes, you do. I mean, that, that's some pressure back there. I think it's easier to return uh, kicks, like kickoff returns, yes. just because of the way the ball's hit. You got a lot more time. You got some guys easier in front to of catch. you. Yeah, punt returns, you got to want to do that, man. If, if you're shook out there, it, you'll be exposed fairly quickly. Kickoffs,
0: you're going to get blown up at some point, though. Yep. At some point, you're going to you're going to be hit by a man running full speed while you're running full speed. True. <laughs> Different but, dynamic with punt return. Uh, like with kickoffs, you are going to get creamed at some point in a way that you've never been hit before.
1: I, I don't know though. I, I feel like with kickoffs, you, you have so much. You can see everything develop so much more easily than with a punt. With a punt, I, I feel like punts are just absolutely terrifying.
2: Well, you got to think with with punts, the ball isn't going as far, so guys are getting get, getting down there and they're breaking down. Right. You're, you're, you're coached to break down and make the tackle. Kick returns, you have a guy that's in the R5, the L5, L4. Their job is just to be a missile and go and blow stuff up. Like it, it, your job is just to create havoc. So I think the bigger hits come in kick returns also because there's some blind blind sides there. That you don't see somebody misses the block. You trust them. You get lit up. I've had snot bubbles before on kick return. It, it's, it's real.
0: <laughs> uh, the description, I can't remember who told it to me. It might have been Tate Which is basically that a punt return Punt return makes sense if you have to understand You have to make a guy miss that you never see Like You you, yeah. you have to make one guy miss that you absolutely don't see You have to be making him miss basically before your eyes even come down And, and Tate loved returning kicks And with kickoffs he goes You have to be running full speed with a trust that somebody else is going to do their job Knowing at some point they're not going to And that person's going to get beat and you're going to get lit up
2: Yep, it's going he down. Didn't like
0: kickoff returns, and <laughs> Percy Arvin was the exact opposite. Percy loved kickoff returns and hated punt returns. That is Blue Forty Two. We got Michael Bumpus in with us here. I want to go back to Trey Flowers for a second, Bump, because we were talking about him last uh, last segment and kind of the the feeling of, in some ways, I've. I've closed the book on him. And not not to say that, hey, he's not worth keeping around or anything like that. But I've kind of come to the conclusion that he is what we've seen so far the first three years. And I realize that might be premature because all of the reports coming out, Corbin Smith, Pete Carroll, people have talked him up how Trey Flowers looks. And I've been like, yeah, I've heard that before, though. And we've kind of seen the same thing, which is he's able to run with guys. He has all the tools and the height that they love at corner. But he has a hard time when the ball's in the air. Like when he when he has to when he has to react to the ball being in the air, he tends to 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 grab and those sort of things. Am I am I being t- am I coming to a premature conclusion, and that we might see him turning the page here because he is still pretty new to the position.
2: Right, he is new to the position. He's originally a safety. Yeah. And ball skills. Didn't he leave the team in picks one year with three interceptions? Yes, he did. <laughs> and you know he he does. He is good in the screen game. He identifies screens. He gets downhill really quickly. I think that as guys get older, we tend to kind of focus on the things they aren't good at. Mm -hmm. right? If they're not superstars, they're not starters, then we start to nitpick. There are things that Trey isn't the greatest at, but there are things that DJ is not the greatest at. There are things that Bobby is not the greatest at. I think we got to give this kid a chance because we can't ignore what he's doing. We can't see him in camp making all these plays and be like, oh, yeah, but I already know who he is. The Hawks do a great job of allowing guys to develop. I think this is a huge year for Trey Flowers. I've seen some development in his game. I think he looks confident. He's got to put it on film on Saturdays. But there is a sense of urgency when it comes to Trey Flowers. I just think that he's doing all the necessary things to, to be in the fight right now.
1: I'm curious because it's also a confidence thing with him. But the guy he's competing with, that's also, I would say, the closest skill set-wise, even size to him is Akella Weatherspoon, and and that's someone that has had the same questions before in San Francisco. At the beginning of the 2019 year, he looked awesome. He gets hurt, he comes back, and everyone was questioning his confidence the rest of the way, and then he sort of fell out of favor entirely with the 49ers and became a bit of an afterthought in their secondary. So between those two, yeah, and and Flowers definitely has an opportunity. I mean, one of the things that has definitely been beneficial to him has probably been that D.J. reed has been banged up, that he's been getting as many extended reps as he has, and he consistently has been finding himself at camp Lined up with DK Metcalf across from him, and I I like how feisty he has been, and maybe that is a sign that he's getting a little bit more confident at the position a couple of years later. But again, it is training camp, and you know you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And also, DK seems to get the most out of everybody.
2: Yeah, DK is going to eat. It, I mean, if, <laughs> if you if you lose against DK, don't don't beat yourself up, buddy. That's, that's DK. Um, there's no denying Trey Flowers is going to be on the team, right? He, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be he's on the squad. team. There's no doubt about that. It's all about, all right, what's your role going to be? Yeah. And if he is that third corner, that's still an important role because he's going to play. He's going to get opportunities out there. I think if he can just stay consistent and position himself in a place to where, if anything were to happen, he's the first guy coaches are looking for. He's going to get another opportunity during this season to kind of solidify himself and get more reps. I just I just love the competition in, in that room overall.
0: It is Danny Glunt. Michael Bump is, is with us for this hour. Uh, Bump will also be hosting the Seahawks pregame show tomorrow before Ooh. their preseason kickoff. That's right. Going to be there with Paul Moyer as well as Robert Turbin are going to be part of that pregame show. Turbo, yep. Should be very fun to listen to that. I thought we'd broaden our perspective. Our, our training camp coverage brought to you by Precore Home Fitness Take a look at the rookie quarterbacks. It's a good time to kind of get caught up on what rookie quarterbacks with the other teams are doing. Start in Chicago, where Justin Fields, who was the first-round pick of the Bears, he's going to start, and actually Matt Nagy has said he's going to play into the second half. Now, it's different this year because you have only three preseason games, so you're not quite sure. Are teams lopping off the first or the fourth preseason game in their usual playing time? And Andy Dalton is still there. Clayton told us this morning, look, Andy Dalton's a starter. You're not going to have – I don't know, man. This kind of seems to me like if you talk about different paths to becoming a starter, this seems like they might be seeing whether or not Justin Fields can handle that from the jump.
2: If Justin Fields goes out there and impresses, I mean, like goes 16 for 21, 175 yards, and one or two touchdowns, he's going to make these coaches have a difficult conversation. I know it sounds good and it looks good. Andy Dalton, we're going to go with the veteran, but – I mean, I think having guys sit is so overrated to me. I mean, just let these dudes go. You drafted him for a reason. Unless this guy just doesn't have a grasp on the playbook and he's nervous in the huddle and he's not a leader, then you let him sit. But something tells me feels ain't like that. And if he goes out there and balls out, there's going to be a conversation. And that's why footballs day by day, week by week. Things change dramatically. No one thought Russell Wilson was going to be the guy when he came in here. You give him opportunities during the preseason and you see what see what happens. I'm not sold that Justin Fields will not be the starter. I think that he is in the mix right now and I think that Andy Dalton we talk about pigeonholing the guy. We've all pigeonholed Andy Dalton. Like we yes, all sir. we all think we know exactly who he is. <laughs> That's he's why turkey we're giving turkey bacon. He's, he's
0: turkey bacon. <laughs> That's he why can we're play the part at breakfast, but no, he's not convincing <laughs> anybody. He's not fooling anybody. Like you, you, you're you're hungry. He'll fill you up. He'll eat up those minutes. But he is turkey bacon. He's not gonna he's not gonna trick anybody into the idea that he's a franchise quarterback. It's a waste of everybody's time to put Dalton out there. We know what he no, is.
1: We, it's, Danny, we know what he is. He's he was awful you're last right. year.
0: Here's why it's not a waste of time though. The development should depend on Justin Fields. If Justin Fields, I think if you play a quarterback too early, you can wreck him. Like, I do think that that can happen. It's a, if Justin Fields is ready, I agree with you. Do not sit there and say, oh, we've got to give Andy Dalton a chance. But Justin Fields might be in a spot where he's better served by becoming the starter week nine instead of week I, one.
1: I mean, that's fair, but Chicago's not so bad that it's like throwing Zach Wilson out there with the Jets. You know, where I feel like there's a lot of potential for disaster there because he's on a he's not on a team that's not very good. Fields that team is team is okay. You know, I I I, and I feel like you're just you're just wasting time with Dalton out there. I understand what you're saying when it comes to you throw a quarterback out there too early, but I'm also of the belief like the guy either has it or he doesn't. I mean, we saw it with Joe Burrow early on last year before he got hurt. I mean, Burrow is on a bad Cincy team. Yeah, did he not look good? He I looked mean, good. He yeah. did look good.
0: What do you think, Bum? Can you wreck a quarterback by playing him too early?
2: You can, but that's why you're a coach. That's why you have to trust in your evaluation. Who gives you your best chance to win? And the Bears are in a position where they got to win right now. Nagy he ain't city. got a couple of years to sit back and let, let's develop these guys. It is not like Fields doesn't have options. He's got Allen Robinson. He's got Godwin over there. He has a decent running back in Montgomery. Like It's not like he's going out there and he's being asked to be the savior. If you put him in position to be successful, it could work. But you have to believe in it. You have to believe in your evaluation. If they think Andy Dalton is a the guy, then you go ahead and put Andy Dalton out there. But if Fields goes and balls out, and he looks like a pro out there, you got to give this guy a chance to go. It is Danny Gallant. Bump is with us for the next two segments. Coming
0: the next one, we pick this or that. It's an either-or decision with the greatest soundtrack in sports radio history. That's next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant.
0: In all honesty, this is my favorite segment of the entire week, and I can't decide if it's because of Mora's structure and questions, which I really like and I like the debate, or it's because I get to listen to this song.
2: I love this song. Yeah, the beat is fire.
0: Oh, it's fantastic, the whole thing. The way it goes. I bombs over Baghdad's the best rap single ever. Like I I think that's it sounds it will always sound like it was made five years from now. Like it it's from the future. But that this is a pretty hip perfect hip hop song. The Choice is Yours by Black Sheep, pretty perfect. Mora, with that introduction, let's get this thing fired up.
3: Alright. This one I guess kind of doesn't work for Bump because you actually participated in training camp drills. So you can just tell us which one you were good at. For for Paul and Danny, if you had to choose the training camp drill you would least embarrass yourself at, would it be an offensive or defensive drill?
0: Oh, this one's easy for me. Easy for me. This drill is where it's at for me. The one where they have the defensive linemen go underneath the the, the mesh. Like there's a cage where you have to stay low. Like the <laughs> the shoe they, drill they put, the shoe drill. I'm built for that. <laughs> I'd be moving full speed. Everybody else at a crouch, like, oh I'm hunched over. I'm like, no man. What do they this say? Where, this is where I come to the, the pygmy nose tackle is able to thrive in this environment.
3: What do they say with Puna? God given leverage. <laughs> yes!
0: That would be that would be my drill. That would be my <laughs> chance to shine.
1: It's gonna be punt return for Paul. No, it would be it'll be, it'll be <laughs> kickoff return definitely. Uh, it, it, the one thing I definitely would want not want to do is Oklahoma. I hated Oklahoma's. I thought they were so stupid. Like, why are you putting me in this situation? I'm the last person that you would want to have in some sort of a short yardage spot. Oh, we're going to put you at defensive line. Oh, we're going to put you at offensive line in this spot. <laughs> Oklahoma's the worst. But if, if I had to do anything, it would be something that involves me playing deep safety coverage. That'll be it. I don't know what drills are actually is as far as that goes, because most of them are like one-on-one drills and and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, that would be it.
0: If, if there was one that I would pick that I've been too cowardly to really try because I want to do it, but I'm afraid of how it would look. It's fielding punts from the jugs machine. Like not, not the actual punter from the, from, from, from the machine, because there it's relatively predictable about where it's going to land. I would, I would have no shot with an NFL style punter. Like how high that goes up, I wouldn't be able to gauge yeah. it. But if you if you got in there, hey, it's going it. l- to land in this 5 to 10-yard radius, I would be able to put myself in position to catch the punt. I just I fear how that would come out. I think I'd look terrible or maybe take it off the dome.
3: <laughs> Bump, what well, was your best drill?
2: My, well, my favorite drills were any footwork drills. You I got yeah. soccer feet. Anything where I could show the footwork and uh, finish the drill with the ball and hands, good to go but working in ball drills
3: alright next up guys we've uh, we've played some hot take sound from guys that we like to make fun of a little bit on the show this week if you had to pick one of your least favorite hot take artists to do a radio segment with who would it be oh. Skip Bayless Mike Florio or Colin Cowhert huh
1: I've, had, I've, I've done shows where we've had Florio on before, and I've actually gotten along with Florio on those shows, so I would pick Florio 100%. Because I feel like Florio, at the very least, is not going to talk down to you like Skip Bayless or just completely ignore you like Colin Cowherd would.
0: My answer is Florio, and I would really try to wrong-foot him. <laughs> There's very few times where I've ever tried to do that to someone when, when doing a radio segment. Try to put them in a difficult position. I I would I would try very hard to do. That would be my choice and I would do the best segment is cowherd. Because say what you want about him and I think he says a lot of things that are strictly designed to how do I get attention today? It's not about accuracy, it's not about authenticity, but he laughs at himself exceptionally well. If you ever he's been doing stuff with Bill Burr recently Mm -hmm. where he'll come on and Colin will make himself the butt of the jokes and he's really good at it. Like Colin Colin is I think Colin is disingenuous in his opinions, in that he doesn't care about logical consistency. He only cares about what's good, good sounding today. But Colin sounds Colin's Colin's the best there is at hosting a radio show.
1: I I, I won't disagree
0: with that, but he there's no he's not listening to a word that you or I would say. Like Bob, yeah, that, maybe, that,
1: he's not yeah, maybe, to us.
0: maybe that's true. But like with Bill Burke, so like one of the things that Colin said to him was, "Hey, Patriot fans." They're annoying, but they at least seem to be true to their team. And, and like they're really dogmatic about it. Red Sox fans, they'll turn on you and they end up, anybody that leaves the Red Sox, they end up hating the Red Sox. Like most Patriots fans don't hate Brady. And Bill Burgess goes back and he goes, What? Do you think we bust in different guys to cheer for the Red? They're the same people. You're talking about the Re- <laughs> Patriots fans or Red Sox fans and cowherds laughing and playing along with it. Florio has no sense of humor and is a disingenuous, uh, egotistical. Absolute troll. You know
1: Um, what? I I, in radio he has not been that way, but maybe it's with the selection. I I would do my
0: best to try to make him look as bad as possible.
2: I'm going with I'm going with Skip Bayless just because I know that I know how to get under his skin. I just watch Shannon Sharp do it every day. You got to (laughs) cut him off. You got to talk loud, and then once he gets gone, you just laugh at him, and he gets even more frustrated. I just love the way Shannon kind of pokes at him. And I think it'd make for a good radio. So I, I would go with Skip. Try to get him riled up. Talk about the Cowboys, all that good stuff.
0: Have you seen other people with Skip's personality? I have not come across many people in life with, that, that behave the way Skip does. No, nah, I don't think I have. I, I like, like that it, idea though. of Shannon providing the, the, the antidote, though, how you deal with him, how you navigate that.
3: That was a wild card. I wasn't sure anyone was going to go with Skip. I could see yeah. you doing it, though, but... You can handle it.
1: I'm impressed that you watched. <laughs> All
3: right, next up, Ryan Fitzpatrick told Robert Mays of theAthletic.com, uh, "quote I have a ton of respect for Dolphins coach Brian Flores, and we have a good relationship. But I thought it was a joke at first. We're putting Tua in. I was floored. I was in total shock." Uh, talking about last year, does does Fitzpatrick have a pointer? Does he need to move on? now that he is on a different team and we're heading into a new season
0: he's got a point man
3: anytime a football player
0: has a job that he's doing well and gets replaced by someone who is not as capable right then as doing the job you got a right to be puzzled and angry because it chafes against everything you're taught as a competitor right and I get what Fitzpatrick is looking at which is dude our team's pretty good we might make the playoffs and you're choosing to put in someone who's not as good as me at the most important position. And, yeah, maybe that you're doing it with an eye toward what happens a year or two from now. But this is against everything we've ever learned as competitors. I get where he's coming from. It doesn't mean I think the Dolphins were wrong, but I I get why Ryan Fitzpatrick can't get over that.
2: This is a guy who's played for, like, 28 teams. He knows how this goes. They draft their guys. He, they're going to play them. When I was in college— Alex Brink to Josh Wagger's spot. And Josh Wagner wasn't playing bad, but Alex Brink was recruited by our offensive coordinator, so he wants to see his guy in. The quarterback position, it's, it's relationship-based too, man. You're going to live and die by your guy. And I think the Dolphins were like, all right, if Fitzpatrick keeps this up, we're going to have to have this young man sit even longer because we're going to get pressure from everybody. So I understand why he's frustrated, but he knows the business. He's been around way too long not to understand what's going on. They were winning, though. And I, I look at Tua.
1: I have questions about Tua that I did not have after seeing him at Alabama. I thought for sure he was a lock to be good. I, can can I, he fling the ball downfield?
0: I mean, that's honest question. I don't
1: know. Can that can that dude throw the ball downfield? Because he couldn't last year. And they've got a lot of guys who are best downfield right now. I mean, all their wide receivers are like, hey, they're burners. You know, you bring in Will Fuller, uh, you you um, uh, draft. Uh, was it Jalen Waddle that they got a as wide receiver? Right, yeah. so we're gonna find out pretty quick.
0: I did like the idea of Fitzpatrick being the closer, though. Like, keep it close <laughs> for three quarters to it, and then we'll bring you in our closer. We're gonna lock it down. Like they they need to fully embrace it though. Like how in Major League Baseball you play closer music. Oh, and, yeah. Like change the lights. Enter the like, sandman come, when he
1: comes in. Here comes Ryan Fitzpatrick. The lights
0: are flashing. <laughs> our closer's in the game. I think uh, the, the, the longtime closer Trevor Hoffman For the, for the uh, Padres He'd come into Hell's Bells <laughs> Something like that That is this or that uh, I might be the only person in the world That thinks that's the best segment We do each and every week But once again I thoroughly enjoyed it Appreciate it. it Thank you very much Maura And thank you to the Black Sheep For providing impeccable Musical accompaniment What are you most excited about Saturday? We'll talk about that As well as maybe a little more Dad strength with Marco Gonzalez next you're listening to danny and gallant on 710 espn seattle
1: now here are your hosts danny o'neill and paul gallant we also got michael bumpus in the house seahawks kick off the preseason tomorrow night in vegas i'm jealous if you're a starter and you're going to a preseason game in las vegas that is pretty awesome right I mean, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm probably going to try to have the team hotel as far away from the Strip as I possibly could. And even then, I don't know how much that's going to help.
3: Dave Wyman was telling me yesterday that they're staying like 45 minutes away.
0: Away from the Strip? Yeah. It probably makes sense. What's weird, so it's the second year they've had games there. But it feels like it's the first year because there were no fans last year. The tickets for this game, I I think it's going to be sold out. I know that tickets have been going for more than face value for this preseason it's a game. It's
1: preseason game, too.
0: It's, a, it's going to be a weird—having a team in Las Vegas is weird. Like it's, it's very, very strange, and I don't know what that's going to be like. When I covered the NBA, and it was when the Hornets first moved to New Orleans, and now they're the Pelicans. But there was all this talk about, like, oh, man, like watch what teams' records are after they play in New Orleans. Like, watch what they do in their next road game after play, because it's going to be, and it was. <laughs> like, teams teams were a disaster after they played in New Orleans because guys are going to go out there. I, the NFL is more tightly regimented. Like, guys, it's harder to go out the night before a game. There's still, man, like, the one thing about Vegas is you don't have to wait until 10 p.m. for stuff to start happening in no. town. Like, no if sir. you get three hours on the town in mid-afternoon, you can go find a lot of different things to ocup- occupy and entertain yourself.
2: You can do anything you want to do at any time of the day. Yep. <laughs> in that's, Las Vegas. that's
1: basically Las Vegas. There's not even a cutoff time at the bars, that's right? Exact, it's 4 a.m. That's exactly what it is. It's like it, it can be midnight at any point in the day you want it to be. <laughs> 5 a.m. You could still be having yourself a wonderful time there. I'm also curious, and look, it's a preseason game, but this does seem to be one of the worst possible scenarios. Say this was a regular season game for having a team in Las Vegas because it's pretty easy to fly from Seattle to Vegas as someone who's done it a couple of times since moving here. I mean, you can get a pretty good deal on Southwest to go from Seattle there, and it's one of the better traveling fan bases in the NFL as well. So, if I'm Vegas, it's the games against like those West Coast teams that actually could travel well that I would hate. And I guess the good news for them is there aren't that many, but still when you're in the AFC West, you got Chiefs fans who are probably gonna be traveling. You got Broncos fans too. Like those two fan bases actually care. I'm yeah. I'm wondering what it'll be like for them.
0: You are underestimating the national appeal of Vegas. This is not like hey, West Coast fans are going to plan there. But
1: I mean it will that. be easier like easier probably than for any fan base than that for for what someone that's nearby, right? Cuz I mean, we're talking yeah. like a 2-hour flight for some of these places. Yeah, but but it's not like there's a
0: shortage of people going to Vegas anyway. That's and now true. you're saying yeah, like NFL it.
1: football fans you got a chance to travel
0: to Vegas and see you. I think this is that's going to be how the dynamics of that fan base plays out and how many are Raider fans and how many are out of town fans who want to go to Vegas for the weekend and type in a football game while they're there, I'm fascinated to watch it.
2: It's Vegas is already crazy, right? You have yes. your, your summer league there, there's always some type of rodeo going on, like you have events. In Las Vegas, so yeah, I'm with you. People are going to travel from near and far to get to Las Vegas. They're going to get there on Monday for a game that's on the following Sunday. Like they're they're going to spend some time in Vegas. I expect all their games to be sold out. I, one of my bucket list items is a huge prize fight in Vegas. Mm. I've seen
0: fights. I've seen fi- UFC fights in Vegas. I've I've never seen like a, a a high level boxing match in Vegas, and I've never seen like one of their truly championship cards for the ufc in vegas that's one of my bucket list items and it's a bummer for me that you still don't have like marquee heavyweight boxing match, like when tyson selden happened and that was the weekend that tupac got shot like all of those different like going to one of those events in vegas is is, is on my bucket list i want to see what that city's like when
2: it's a big fight man i looked up i was going to take the wife out to vegas to see bruno mars then I saw how much those tickets cost. Yes. It's like $3,000 for a ticket. Yep. So I told her, I go, well, that, that bucket list, we're going to be retired when we start spending money like that. <laughs> and I, and I, no <laughs> Bruno this year, but.
1: <laughs> Michael Puppets taking it out with us. Danny Agalat, 7Teddy, SP at Seattle. The Seahawks kick off the preseason tomorrow against the Las Vegas Raiders. What are you most curious to see in this game? I, I, I think we, we've discussed some of the things as far as how – much tempo we're going to see from the offense right away. I wonder if we will actually get a tease, a hint of what these guys are in the regular season. Generally, you see such vanilla approaches from a team going into a preseason game, but I really want to see the kind of tempo that we were seeing at times in camp and how it applies to a game situation because it's a little different in training camp, obviously. It's not It's not really a game, and you can control that situation a little bit more as coaches to make sure that, I guess, that they're doing them, the players are doing them in the best way that they see fit. But this is different where things get a little bit random. Will the Seahawks be willing to actually go with that offense that we're hoping to see this year? I I hope to see it, though I'm skeptical we will.
2: We're going to see a vanilla offense, but it's different than the vanilla we had last year. You know, it's like vanilla bean or something like that. It's it's just a little different. We're going to see 10 to 15 plays that uh, Walter doesn't mind people seeing. And it's just going to be basic, but this is a basic that we just haven't seen before. We're not going to see these long, drawn-out play-action passes where Russ is holding on the ball for four seconds, forcing it down the field. I think we're going to see quick game. We're going to see a lot of tight formations. It's going to be basic football, but for the Seattle fans, it's new. It's fresh to the eyes, so it's going to look a bit different. I don't, I don't expect any huge plays out there, uh, but... You know, I just want to see the tempo and the completion rate, you know, and then how often are you going to run the football? Are you just running zone? Are you going to run some power in there as well? Little things I'll be looking for. For me, I find myself most interested in
0: watching what some of the defensive players do. Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi, Kella Witherspoon, if he plays, how does he look? Trey Brown, it's the first opportunity to see him. Some of the younger pass rushers, Alton Robinson is specifically a guy that 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 I'll single out. I don't expect to learn much about the, the veteran linebackers, but Jordan Brooks is probably going to play a lot. He's someone that is, I mean, he's he's getting the playmaker spot in the linebackers. Like weak side linebacker has always been the guy in this defense that can rack up tackles. And that that spot has been turned over to him. And even the debate and discussion about K.J. Wright and where he'll end up, if he comes back, he's playing at, at the strong side. And I guess Daryl Taylor, is he exclu- are they going to rush him at all? And I don't expect an answer to that because if they are planning on rushing him, especially from that outside linebacker spot, probably not going to show it in the preseason. I'm excited to see some of these young defensive players, though, because I I do think that there is room and hope that some of these guys
2: are going to emerge and pop. I want to see Josh Johnson, too, um, running back. You know, I, I think this dude can get into the mix as that fourth. Running back, possibly competing with Travis Homer to see what happens, and because we know Rashad's not going to get many carries, Carson's not going to get many carries, it's going to be him and DJ back there. And you know who's who's going to outperform who? We've seen DJ. He, I think he had 15 carries last year, over 100 yards. We hear p Carroll talk about DJ. He likes him in the pass game, though. So, are they going to use him in the pass game? You know, how's Johnson going to look? So, those those bottom three or four guys on the depth chart, those are the matchups that I really look forward to seeing, and then. I'm going to say his name again, number 15, John Ursua. This is your year, baby. Make some noise. Make this ball club.
1: It's never going to happen. It's got to happen now. He's Michael Bumpus. You're going to hear him on the pregame show leading up to the Seahawks game right here on 710 ESPN Seattle against the Raiders on Saturday night. Bump, thanks so much. Looking forward to hearing some more from you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a good one bump has got a busy day today. He's going to be on all the shows. So we're looking forward to that, too. It is Danny and Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. Also busy tomorrow, Ray Roberts. He's going to be on the color call for the game in Las Vegas between the Seahawks and Raiders. What's he looking for? And What can we expect out of Stone Forsythe he, when he gets extended action? We'll talk to him next.